Welcome to Stonewall Spotlight, a podcast sponsored by the Stonewall Democratic Club, bringing you the most salient issues in democratic politics from the LGBTQIA and feminist lens. I'm Marcus Levengood, your host. Mackenzie Husband is away until September. This is a very special episode as we cover for the first time the executive board elections of the Stonewall Democratic Club. Having myself gone through two cycles of executive board elections, there has never been one quite as contentious, primarily between the race for president of the club. Two-term president Lester Aponte will be seeking a third term as president, while being challenged by the chairman of the Public Relations Committee, Alex Mahajer, in what looks like to be a very close race. During this episode, we will showcase the voices of our candidates, answering pre-written questions sent to each of them. Participation in this program was completely voluntary, and 9 out of 14 candidates were invited to submit responses. Most of the positions are not contested, meaning there is only one person running for the position without anyone running against them. Here is a list of the candidates. For President, Lester Aponte and Alex Mahajer. Operations Vice President, Steve Bott. Political Vice President, Jane Wishon. Financial Vice President, Devin Adante. Communications Vice President, Jonathan Welch. Community Vice President, Nicholas Bloom. Secretary, Alec White. Controller, Ruben Zade. At-large self-identified female, Jasmine Kanick. Geraldine Stapleton and Nadia Sutton. And at-large other than self-identified female, Ty Sunanen and Alton Wang. We will begin with remarks from our non-contested races, then move on to our contested races. We'll begin with remarks from current Produce Media Chair Jonathan Welch, who will presumably be stepping into the Vice President of Communications position, then Devin Adante, currently Special Events Chair, who will presumably be stepping into the Financial VP seat, and then from Steering Committee members Nadia Sutton and member Jasmine Kanick, running for self-identified female. And finally, we'll end our program with words from Alex Mahajer, running against current president Lester Aponte, who declined to come on the show. Let's begin. first question I asked Jonathan was, what are the major reforms you'll begin working on on day one, if elected? I think that as an executive board uh, on day one, we really need to, and we need to do this every two years when there's a new term, we need to take a look at the bylaws and make sure that they're easy to interpret, make sure that they're accessible to everyone, um, and just ensure that they make sense for our organization as it changes and as it grows. Uh, I also support the addition of an executive board member who focuses on diversity and inclusion. Um, it's very important that we make sure that all voices come to the table and that Stonewall is a place where everybody feels welcome. That has not always been the case. We'll get to that in another question. Um, but I, I think that that's a very important step towards ensuring that our organization is one where people feel heard and feel and feel good about being in the presence of other activists and feel good about being together and just being here in general. So 
That's something that I would like to work on, but I'm also running for vice president of communications. So I am, it's important for me to build a really strong communications team. I think I already have the biggest team um, on the Stonewall board and I want that team to grow and I want, um, I want us to focus on a very content rich communication strategy that is much more proactive than it is reactive. And I'm very excited to bring that to the table. What does equality mean to you and how do we reach full equality with so many racial and socioeconomic problems that face our community? So equality is an ongoing process. I don't think that we can ever look at Stonewall and say, okay, we did it. We created uh, a perfectly balanced and equal environment. I think it's always going to be a moving target. But I think that the biggest thing that we need to do when it comes to equality is to listen to other people with different experiences from us. I do not come from a place that focuses on equality. I am a white boy from Massachusetts, from suburban Massachusetts. And in my town, I, I mean, everybody was straight, white, not really a lot of divorces. We didn't really have, we didn't have a lot of different experiences across the board. And it took me going to college and moving out and going to the city to actually learn, you know, about other people and the lives that they live. Um, and it's a constant, it's a constant process to just listen and to be curious about the experiences that other people have and to never take things personally. I think that there are a lot of people who try to uphold our institutions. That goes into the next question that you're asking, but um, a lot of people who try to uphold our institutions um, that, have, that, that really don't understand how detrimental they can be. So I think listening to pain Ayanna Presley says it right, and I, I love this, but the people who are closest to the pain need to be closest to the power, or the people who are closest to the pain need to be the people in power. And I, I truly believe that where there is pain, where people have experienced hardships, where people have felt uh, maligned and have felt hurt, there's power there. And these are the people that we need to listen to. And I know that as queer people, we've all experienced pain in our lives. Um, we've experienced fear. We've experienced what it feels like to not be welcome. And I think just understanding that for ourselves and listening to other people's experiences that, um, that echo their pain will help us to create a more uh, equitable organization and a more equitable world. How do we hold elected officials accountable when they come up short or contradict their campaign promises, how can the club do this more effectively? This is one that, oh, not to single anyone out, but let's single out Kirsten Cinema because I think she's a really good example. I know that I worked really hard to get her elected in 2018. Stonewall worked really hard to get her elected. Um, and she's a good example of, you know, would we rather have a Republican in that seat? No, of course not, because we wouldn't have the majority. We wouldn't even be able to do anything. But is she doing what we want her to do? Is she making us proud? I don't think so personally. And I think that in instances like this, what we need to do is use our platforms to be very vocal about our disappointment. I think if more organizations that worked 
their tails off in order to get people elected, spoke up when those elected officials underperform or severely hurt the causes that we all care about, if we use our platforms and we speak out against those folks and against their actions, then I think we're going to see a lot more happen. So um, we're in a very good position in Stonewall where um, people listen to us and we need to ensure that we continue to grow our audiences and that we maintain the ones that we have as well. Um, and I think that while we have our audiences intact and they're growing, we need to ensure that our platforms are reflecting our disappointments. We shouldn't be a rubber stamp Democratic club that just because someone's a Democrat in elected office that we would support them automatically. I think that our endorsements hold power and we need to... Um, not just endorse people who we feel will do a good job or have been doing a good job, but we need to call people out who are not. So having the equivalent of that, and this is something obviously for the political team, but this is where I think communications and political will work hand in hand um, to make sure that there are repercussions for when politicians are not doing the work that they should be doing. There is a climate of racism intimidation, and sometimes misogyny that is evident in our club. How do you intend to rid the club of this? I think that the best way that I can combat that is um, by being, by having an open door personally. I, I cannot change people who have created those situations. I'm truly sorry that there are people who are in power um, in our organization who have created those situations. My belief is that if I'm an open door, if I'm here to listen, and if I just put myself out there in that way, in a compassionate way where I lead with empathy and where I'm truly curious and actually interested in having um, people who are different from me <laughs> around me, then that will help. Um, I obviously support a change in leadership. I think we need to change. I think we need to grow and evolve. We have some really fantastic board members who, um, who have been around for a while, and I hope that they continue. And we have some really awesome people who are coming in to, to run and to have a seat at the table. Um, I know that on my communications team, my hope is that we build a very robust and diverse team that reflects the world we live in, that reflects our communities, um, where we tackle a number of, of different topics. We're a queer organization, we're a democratic organization, but there are a lot of different communities that I think we need to hear from. And this is the team where all of those voices are going to be put to, not just to use, but we're going to put those voices to work to help educate people and to help spread the word about what really matters. So I think that this is a really good place. This is a good position um, for someone like myself who is a genuinely curious person who wants to hear the voices of others, who wants to bring people in and bring people to the table. We have a very big table in the comms team, and I'm hoping that we can fit um, a lot of new faces and voices uh, into, that, into that team. I'm looking forward to that kind of change. 
What made you want to run for a board seat and how can you help this club achieve its goals? I've been involved in Stonewall for a year and a half and I think we've done some phenomenal work um, and I think that we can go further. I think we've proven that we have platforms that reach uh, people just beyond Los Angeles County. We proved that with the National Vote at Home Initiative where we helped 30,000 voters, over 30,000 voters to figure out how they could safely and effectively vote at home. We gave them the tools and the information that they needed um, to be good citizens, to be engaged on a civic level. That's all I've ever cared about is, uh, is voting, voting rights, and ensuring that the voters get out there and turn out and talk about politics. You know, I grew up uh, in a place where people loved to say, like, we don't talk about politics, we don't talk about religion. My mom, who's not with us anymore, she passed away in 2008, and one of the things that she always told me was, those are the things that make people interesting. Politics and religion, like, I want to talk to you about those things. I don't want to talk to you about the weather. That's boring. We can all see what's, what's going on in the sky, but we don't know what's going on in people's heads. We don't know what's going on in their hearts. We need to learn about other people. We need to, you know, we need to really, like, open our hearts, open our minds, and listen. And that's always been so fascinating to me. Um, talking about politics, talking about what, like, really revs us up, and, and what we care about is how we can connect with other people. Um, so I've found that political communications is a great, pl- a great place to channel all of that. So that's why I'm here. Um, I'm proud of the work that we've done, not just with the National Vote at Home Initiative, but with the Read Down. We've done some great work with the Spotlight Podcast, and it's been wonderful working with you, Marcus, and with your team. Um, we have so much more that we can do. We have so many, so many more assets, um, digital assets, written assets, social media that we can continue to grow here at Stonewall. And I'm really excited about that and really hoping that um, when I'm looking at my office and what I've done in the past two years, two years from now, um, that I'll be really proud of the fact that we've built a larger communications team that has covered issues far and wide uh, and that has used our platforms for good. And now Jonathan Welch's final statement. You know, I'm, I'm just really proud to be with a lot of the folks that I've worked with here at Stonewall in the past year and a half. Um, we all have a lot of passion and drive within us. And I think that the sky's the limit in terms of where we're going to go. I know that sounds really cheesy. Oh my God, I can't believe I just said it. But you know, I think that we have some very daunting uh, issues that are right in front of us. I mean, we're seeing voter suppression happen all across this country. We're seeing, um, we're seeing, a, we've always had white supremacy running through the veins of the country, but we're seeing, um, we're seeing it have more of a platform. We're seeing people lift up the voices that traditionally I would have thought we would have fought against. Um, and that's scary. I mean, we're, we are living in a very frightening time. I have a baby nephew. He's a year and a half old. Um, I want him to grow up in 
a very pro-democracy United States that is equitable and fair, um, doesn't cater to corporate interests, that doesn't cater to people who are doing nefarious things for power. I know that it's very pie in the sky um, at times to talk like that, but I think it's important. I think it's important that we continue to fight, that we always look at our communities and think like, how can we make this better? How can we help people and make their lives better? Because this is the only opportunity that we have is the life that we're living. So we've got to leave people better than how we found them. People always say like, let's leave a place better than how we found it. How about we leave the people who we touch in our lives better than how we found them? I think that that's the most important thing. Thank you, Jonathan Welch, the uncontested candidate for communications vice president. Now we hear from Devin Dante, uncontested candidate for financial vice president. What are the major reforms you'll be working on on day one, if elected? My goal as VP of Financial Development is to expand upon the already existing forms of fundraising that are working for the club. And I'm hoping the new VP of Community will be open to collaborating with me and creating events and opportunities for Stonewall members to participate in community events and needs. And I would like to utilize these opportunities into developing relationships that can raise money for the club. What does equality mean to you and how do we reach full equality with so many racial and socioeconomic problems that face our community? Equality to me is what it is defined as, which is the state of being equal, especially in status, rights and opportunities. And we can start by giving seats at the table to the different members of our community. We, can, we can't come to solutions until we have all of their input. So I'd like to hear from them directly and work with them to support and or develop solutions together. How do we hold elected officials accountable when they come up short or contradict their campaign promises? How can the club do this more effectively? I believe the steering committee should be trained in a range of racial, gender, and social issues so that we can grow and evolve as a unit to best represent this club. I also believe our systems and processes should be transparent and that we should work more collaboratively. I also think the numbers now exist in this club to hold people accountable. So if more work is done in the open, people will act better. And when they don't, they will be held accountable. 
What made you want to run for a board seat and how can you help the club achieve its goals? Well, Lester and Jane both asked me to run for the role. No one's been in the role since I've been chair of major events, so I've been handling the fundraising for our events since last year. And I guess it's the natural evolution for me since I have a fundraising background. And, you know, then Freddie will become chair of events. And so I'll be really glad to continue working with Freddie because we make such a great team. Thank you, Devin Adante, uncontested candidate for financial vice president. Now we hear from Jasmine Canick, Stonewall member and candidate for at-large self-identified female. What are the major reforms you'll begin working on on day one, if elected? I can't say that I'm going into Stonewall to make reforms. I'm going into Stonewall to represent for people who have been largely absent from the leadership in an organization that claims that it values and wants the uh, voices and um, representation from various spectrums of the queer community. I just don't see that. I don't see um, as many women in leadership. I definitely don't see black people in leadership um, as well as other people of color. So if, you know, if if representing um, being that voice in the room is considered a reform, then that's what I will be doing on day one. What does equality mean to you and how do we reach full equality with so many racial and socioeconomic problems that face our community? I would just say that, you know, when it comes to equality, I'm, I'm really more interested in equity because everybody can get married tomorrow, but equity is what makes sure that the people who are getting married also have access to the same things that by and large, for example, the white gay community versus, you know, queer people of color. I always tell people, oh, I can get married tomorrow, but if I don't have the job or the income or the health care or the education, um, you know, besides being in love, you know, what protections are afforded to me? Because I, I don't have anything to pass on. I don't have anything. There's nothing for me and my spouse to um, be able to protect. So, In social justice, we talk a lot about um, equity um, instead of equality as a means of, you know, just making sure that people are given the same resources and opportunities. Equality does not guarantee that. Equality equality just says you both, uh, two groups can do something. They both have access to do something. It doesn't mean that they have the resources or the opportunities to make it happen. How do we hold elected officials accountable when they come up short or contradict their campaign promises? How can the club do this more effectively? Look, I, the same thing I do in Law Pack is the same thing I would say for Stonewall. You know, we endorse people all of the time who then do not live up to their 
campaign promises and we should call them out for it. You know, look, I've been working in politics for damn near 20 years. I know how this game, this endorsement game goes. And, you know, the one good thing is that um, it's starting not to endorsements don't mean as much to younger generations. By and large, they're still very important to, I would say, older Gen Xers and baby boomers and those still active in politics in the silent generation. But younger generations are not that enthused by endorsements. However, if we're going to be in the practice of giving endorsements, we also need to be in the practice of holding people accountable. You shouldn't just give an endorsement and then let someone serve four years, never living up to their campaign promises, and then coming back hot in hand and endorsing them again. That is not um, acceptable. And another example I can give you is, look, we have a council member right now in Los Angeles whose name is Paul Koretz, who I believe is a member of Stonewall and is running for um, the citywide office of controller for the city of Los Angeles. Look, you know, Paul made it perfectly clear that he thought of Ed Buck's victims as disadvantaged black hustlers. He said it. He said it publicly. And if this organization were to turn around and endorse that, then we're basically saying that we co-sign on that and that we agree with that way of thinking. And I would hope that we do not. We have to hold people accountable for the things that they say outside of endorsement meetings and off of their endorsement applications as well. Their actions mean a lot as well. And so, again, you know, if I'm elected, those are the things that I'll be saying. It may not be popular. I may be outvoted. But at least I will sleep well at night because I will definitely bring those issues up. I'm not here to be the status quo. Like, I don't have time for that. There's a climate of racism, intimidation, and sometimes misogyny that is evident in our club. How do you intend to rid the club of this? Look, it is not my responsibility to rid the club of anything. Uh, that is a common mistake that we put on Black people, Black women, and other people of color. Look, again, my role is simply to represent and be that voice in the room um, that says, you know, this isn't right, and this is why this is not right. Um, I've watched over and over in Stonewall um, including with the Ed Buck situation, how people said one thing but voted another way. Uh, I'm not going to fight with people. I, look, first of all, I don't have time to fight with people, and I just wouldn't. But I'm definitely going to make sure that I bring up issues, much how I do in the L.A. County Democratic Party um, as a member of the County Central Committee. I bring up issues. Sometimes I get outvoted. Sometimes people agree with me. But I think what's sorely lacking in Stonewall, again, is... Um, any sort of large number of folks outside of, you know, you know, white gay men and women and white cisgender women <laughs> in terms of leadership. That's what I see when I look at Stonewall. Sometimes I wonder if Stonewall would have been more aptly named had they called themselves the West Hollywood Gay Democratic Club because, Again, if you're going to say that you are the LGBTQ plus Democratic Club for all of L.A. County, then you need to reflect that. And I'm sorry, all of L.A. County is not majority white. It is, it is not. It is majority people of color. And I think that Stonewall needs to reflect that, not only just in terms of race, but also in terms of age. Um, we need to have um, a lot more Gen Xers, a lot more... 
um, millennials, and even Gen Zers involved in the leadership of the organization. And that's something I will definitely be championing. And lastly, why did you want to run for a board seat? And how can you help this club achieve its goals? Straight up, it was just Ed Buck. Look, I did my time with Stonewall. I was co-chair of the National Stonewall Democrats um, Black Caucus. I had been involved in Stonewall on a national level. The only reason I got involved on the local level was because of the um, response that Stonewall's president and other people in leadership gave to the death of Jamel Moore at Ed Buck's home. And then um, following that, just sort of the response throughout the past four years. Again, I think it's embarrassing. It's infuriating. And if you're an organization that says that you want, again, you want black women, you want black men, you want other people of color to be engaged in your organization, then your actions need to dictate that. And the actions that I saw around Ed Buck, quite frankly, up until this very day, um, have never said to the black queer community that we stand with you, um, that we're just as shocked and appalled as you are, and that we're angry. I have never seen that from Stonewall. Everything Stonewall ever did as it related to Ed Buck, they had to be pushed into doing, and that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, again, for a club that says it wants the participation of black men and women, black trans men and women, you know, other black queer folks and other, you know, queer people of color, that's not the way that the organization should be operating. And so I decided, again, I'm not one of those people that are going to just sit around and complain and complain and complain. If I have the time, I'm going to try to get involved and help, you know, be that voice in the room. So that's why I ran for an at-large position, because I realized with my other board responsibilities and just, you know, my professional life, I don't have the, I don't, I don't have the capacity to take on a position at this time larger than at-large. But I feel like that is, I felt like that was a step that I could take to maybe help be common sense, be that voice in the room, um, you know, be the conscience of folks who are trying to ignore certain things and bury their heads in the sand. You know, I think Stonewall should be better than it is. And if I could help make that happen, I'm happy to do so. Thank you. And thank you, Jasmine Canick, Stonewall member and candidate for at-large, self-identified female. We'll now hear from steering committee member Nadia Sutton, who submitted her answers via email. She's also running for the at-large self-identified female seat. Question one, what does equality mean to you and how do we reach full equality with so many racial and socioeconomic problems that face our community? Nadia wrote, it means we simply include all voices, including those we sometimes do not agree with. The second question was, how do we hold elected officials accountable when they come up short or contradict their campaign promises? How can the club do this more effectively? Nadia wrote, we establish a dialogue with them. We remind them clearly of what they told us they would do. We express our disappointment and ask them what they intend to do about their promises. If they refuse to comply, we withdraw our support and let them know why. Next question Nadia answered was, what made you want to run for the seat? Nadia wrote, 
I have been involved as an activist for 33 years when I was losing the people I love the most, my chosen family, to AIDS and HIV. I joined ACT UP, we laid our bodies on the streets for our friends, we spent countless nights in hospitals holding them in my arms. I'm the founder of Paws LA, pets are wonderful support. For the last 32 years we help people with AIDS and HIV keep their beloved pets. I continue to be on the streets ever since the fight for our rights to civil unions, our rights to marry for the rights of our transgender community. I am involved in working to empower our super LGBTQ youth, especially our homeless ones. They are our future. I stand on the shoulders of many giants. I use my past experience to live our present strongly and make our future more powerful and full of hope. 33 years later, in 2021, I feel more committed and passionate to make a difference. I intend to do so by continuing to be an at-large member for my beloved Stonewall. And lastly, to my beloved Stonewall brothers and sisters, one of the best things we can do is truly listen to each other and hear each other. Yes, of course, we're going to have different opinions, but let us listen before we make up ours. They are not the enemy. Stonewall is a garden with many different flowers, each unique and beautiful. Our differences make Stonewall more powerful. Let us respect each other. Yes, let us use our brilliant minds, but please, my darlings, first and foremost, let it come from our heart. I hope you will put your trust in me and allow me to continue to serve my beloved Stonewall. Love and hugs, Nadia Sutton. And lastly, we will now hear from Alex Mahajer, candidate for president of the Stonewall Democratic Club. What are the major reforms you'll begin working on on day one, if elected? Well, first of all, thank you, Marcus, for having me on the Stonewall Spotlight podcast. You know, I adore you and I'm just so happy to be here speaking with you. So um, first and foremost, uh, what are the major reforms I'll begin working on on day one, if elected? So I have said as a part of my campaign and as a part of my platform that in my first 60 days, I want to appoint an ad hoc committee that's tasked with going through our bylaws line by line and together collaboratively coming up with a series of amendments that are aimed at making our club more transparent, more accessible, more equitable, and uh, more fair. And I think that there are are a couple suggestions that I'm going to make to this committee, but I do think it should be a collaborative process almost necessarily. Um, but at the first and the top of the list is going to be term limits for our elected officers. I think this is actually very important. So, you know, if there's any evidence for why uh, term limits for our elected officers is important, I mean, you need to look no further than this election right now. We've got this upcoming election is going to be the most attended meeting, Stonewall meeting in, in the 46 year history of the Stonewall Democratic Club. I think that's amazing. And I think that that is a testament to the excitement and the enthusiasm that we've generated about this campaign. I think people are excited to have a debate of ideas and they're excited to have a dialogue about our values and to 
uh, have an election. I think it excites people. It, it, it incentivizes uh, growth and participation and it activates people and it gets people talking. And I think that's really important for us. I think uh, incentivizing an ongoing dialogue about our values is important, especially right now. Um, that we be, you know, meeting the moment and keeping with the times. I think the Democratic Party is evolving, it's changing, and um, having that ongoing dialogue helps us keep pace with that uh, ever-growing and changing uh, party and country, really. So I think it also makes it necessary for us to be keeping an eye on who will succeed us. So we got to be cultivating the next generation of leaders and having that rotating deck of leaders. Uh, it keeps us honest. It keeps us independent. And it breaks up power structures. Uh, and I think power structures almost necessarily form when you coronate the same leaders term after term after term with, you know, a little bit of a cultural distaste, I think, in our club for contested elections. Um, almost necessarily these power structures form, and I'm not laying blame at anyone's feet, for that, I think it's a, a systemic thing, and I just think it, you know, breaks the that power structure up. It, it makes us more inclusive. It makes us more transparent, and so that's one of the things I'm going to recommend. I'm also going to recommend the formation of a of a diversity, equity, and inclusion task force that's tasked with the actual work of going in and franchising marginalized members of our community outside of just West Hollywood. I think I've heard a lot over the last month and a half and two months and really my whole time at Stonewall. But particularly in this campaign, while I've been talking to our members that, um, you know, I don't see, enough, you know, I don't see lesbians represented here or I don't see people of color represented here or I've even heard I don't see Armenians represented here. I don't see me represented here. And I think that we could change that. And I want us to do the actual work of changing it. So this diversity task force will be tasked with going out into the community and doing community-based coalition building meant to bring in people from all over LA County, uh, young people, BIPOC, lesbians, pe people of color, trans people. Um, and those are going to be the big uh, major reforms that I propose on top of a series of other reforms that are meant to make our elections, our internal elections, a little more transparent. Uh, a little more uh, open, and I think our uh, endorsements processes could benefit from an update. I think they are a little bit antiquated, and we could uh, propose some reforms that make it uh, a little more of a fair process and more transparent. And those are the the big reforms I'm going to propose on day one, and then little tweaks here and there, you know, about. Um, uh, who has access to our membership roles and our grievance procedures, where they can be filed. Can they be filed anonymously? Who receives them? I'd like us to make those procedures more open. Basically, I want to make everything much more open and transparent. What does equality mean to you? And how do we reach full equality with so many racial and socioeconomic problems that face our community? Well, you know, for me, equality, when we talk about it, it's, I mean, it's talked about so colloquially as it's such a buzzword now. And they, and people just talk about it in terms of like equal rights. But for me, specifically, it's about racial, social, economic, and environmental justice. And um, I, I think if we're going to have a discussion about equality, we really need to talk about what the currency of equality is, you know, the currencies of welfare, resources, capabilities, access, um, uh, opportunity, and and really among whom equality is valuable. You know, I think when we the the idea of equality 
really asks us to first acknowledge that we are not equal. We are not equal. Right now, equality is a, is a myth because uh, if we want to achieve these ideas of social, racial, economic justice, we have to first acknowledge where we are privileged and where others are not and come to terms with the fact that we are not the same. <laughs> we are not equal. We are born into privileges. We are born into identities that our society uh, uh, has uh, placed more value into some identities than others. And that's a problem. And that's the reality. We can't change it until we bring it into acknowledgement and into awareness that that's the reality. And for that reason, when I ask among whom is equality valuable, I think we have to talk about the currencies of equality and where uh, people uh, could benefit from others extending their privilege. You know, there are ways in which I am privileged that you, Marcus, are not. And there are ways in which... Uh, you are privileged that uh, a disabled immigrant may not be. And I think um, we, we think of, you know, privilege as being this really linear thing, you know, like a, like a hierarchy. And that's not really the case. I think that there are ways in which some are privileged that others aren't. And in order to achieve some sense of equality, we have to be willing and able to acknowledge the difference and then extend our privilege to others uh, who could benefit from increased opportunity and access to the spaces and to the institutions and to the um, power structures that, that, they, that they have benefited from. And that's going to be work. I think it's going to be work. Um, I think, you know, you talk about how we can achieve full equality with so many racial and socioeconomic problems that face our community. I mean, first and foremost, we have to have leaders who, who just can say this, who can say black lives matter unequivocally, who can say trans lives matter unequivocally. And I think that just, you know, words are important. Um, message is important. And then, you know, not just words, but taking actions to support our commitment to those things. Um, I've talked a lot about enfranchising marginalized, marginalized people into our, into our movement. I think Stonewall, by virtue of our namesake, uh, imputes upon us a unique responsibility to people of color and trans people. And those are, and those are communities we've, um, we haven't done enough to enfranchise. And I think uh, it's, it's doing the work to bring people into our movement that we might not fully understand. I, you know, I have said, I don't fully understand non-binary identity. I don't need to fully understand it. I just know that what I need to do is be open to be willing to grow and change and be willing to embrace my non-binary um, colleagues and allies and friends and community and to do the work to try to be better every single day. And I know that sounds all like a little bit like trite and a little bit frou-frou, but it, I, I really do think there's value in it. And that's what I'd like us to do at Stonewall. And it's, I'm not, look, my election is not going to be a silver bullet. I think this is something that needs to be collaborative and something that needs to be um, a, a group effort. And yes, electing me will be great. I think I'll be a great uh, um, figurehead for that. And I would love to start pushing us into that direction, but it's going to take all of us. And um, I think it's going to be work that needs to be done over generations.
Alex, how do we hold elected officials accountable when they come up short or contradict their campaign promises? How can the club do this more effectively? By withdrawing our support and the the resources and the infrastructural institutional benefits that come along with our endorsements. Plain and simple, period. We have to be willing to be a club that is values first, values based, and stick to those values and not prioritize our already existing relationships with elected officials before those values. And we have to be able to be willing and able to speak out through our, our comms and through our uh, activism, you know, through our vote. And I think that's really important. And I think that's, you know, part of the, the ways that we do that is by electing new leaders. So we're not beholden to uh, the, the power structures that are nat- naturally created when we have the same leaders term after term after term. I think uh, creating that independence, having Stonewall be a fiercely independent voice where our endorsement is it comes through a rigorous process of value-based uh, questions and tests and that it is a uh, it is something that is earned and must be cultivated by the elected. The elected official should work to cultivate the relationship by sticking true to their word, by doing what we put them there to do. And that's the value. That's the power of what we can be as a, as a, as a political advocacy and action organization. And lastly, what made you want to run for a board seat? And how can you help this club achieve its goals? Well, I don't know if you're comfortable with me telling this story. So you can just not include this answer in the broadcast if you don't want me to tell it. But this is the true answer. It was last summer when when George Floyd was killed and protests started uh, popping up all over the all over the country of the world really. I was, I was doing a lot of, I mean, my worldview was being cracked open in real time in lots of ways. Um, because yes, I think I knew just, I knew that we have a problem with systemic racism in the United States, but I never really confronted the ways in which I myself participate in systems of white supremacy or oppression that we all do in some form or another and that we don't do enough sometimes to recognize the systems that allow implicit biases to run rampant against people of color and to disadvantage them and to oppress them, you know? And that was a really educational experience and also really, uh, it was a really a period of real growth and I think trauma and I was trying to be better about my own commitment to anti-racism and I read something that was like you know you know call how how can you help right now if you're not um uh if you're not a black person but want to support your black friends right now call one of your black friends and just ask how they're doing and I took its advice and I called you and you and I just I remember asking you how are you doing um, right now, and oof, I get emotional when I think about it. You, um, you wept on the phone, and you said, "I'm not doing good. It's a lot right now." And 
He also said, you know, and nobody from Stonewall has called me to check on me. And look, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm an emotional person. I'm also, I take things to heart. And that, that just really, that really sat on my shoulders. And I remember um, feeling like, wow, that's so unfortunate. Not feeling like anyone did anything wrong by not checking on you, but while wishing that we maybe had a culture where that was the norm. You know, where we felt comfortable to do that, where we, where we knew implicitly how to be um, welcoming and to provide a home and a safe space for our community. And uh, that's when I first started thinking about it. And, you know, I, I won the Truman Award last year, the, the elected board of the club voted me the member of the year at the 2020 Truman Awards for Stonewall. And it was a big honor. And it was because of a lot of the work that I did um, on our, uh, on the 2020 election, we did that national vote at home initiative. And, um, and I remember being really proud of that project. We only got approved 500 bucks for that budget. And we did 16 videos with celebrities in 16 different swing states, doing the vote by mail and, and absentee voting uh, protocols in each video for each swing state. And we registered something like 28,000 people to register to vote ahead of the 2020 election. And we got Deborah Messing to do it. And she went on CBS on the talk to talk about it. And I was really proud of what we were able to do. And, um, and I just felt like we could be doing big things at Stonewall. And we could be doing it with an eye towards and a heart towards creating a, a more open space and an inclusive space that really um, does the work to become like the true rainbow coalition. And wow, how powerful we could be. And um, I think I have the respect of my peers and I have, um, I built a little bit of trust and respect, I think at the club, I hope. And I just thought, you know, I think I'm going to go for it. And I think this change could be really good for the club. And that was Alex Mahajer, candidate for president of the Stonewall Democratic Club. And that does it for the special election edition of Stonewall Spotlight. Congratulations to all of the candidates. Elections are Monday, July 26, 2021 at 7 p.m. My name is Marcus Lovingood. We'll see you next time where we will be reviewing the results of the 2021 Stonewall Democratic Club officer elections. We'll see you next time.